Happy Monday, fight fans. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe to our show wherever you listen. And if you like this show, go on Apple, listen to us, give us that five-star review. And as always, we talk judging in MMA. You can learn the criteria by reading it at abcboxing.com. Dan, we are coming off of a football Sunday in which my team, the Panthers, suffered their first loss and your team, the Giants, suffered their, well, none suffer, I guess. They, they were able to get their first victory, right? They did, but more importantly, the Yankees are in the playoffs. Of course, you're still in baseball mode. Yes. I'm in full football mode. Uh, but the Giants are back, uh, Super Bowl contenders after today. And uh, yeah, I'm here for it. Absolutely not. Uh, Super Bowl contenders, not even close. But you beat the Saints, so that makes me a Panthers fan. Very happy. So you know, kudos. I'm 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 with you there. Should have beaten the Falcons too. You messed up. We got robbed. Uh, yeah. Well, robbed yourselves. Anyway, uh, we're not a football show. We are a mixed martial arts show. We're a fighting show, and it's particularly a judging show. But you know what? We're gonna lead off with Dan. Not judging. At least it's still in the ballpark. It's in the ballpark. It is probably the biggest. Most interesting takeaway from Saturday's fights, uh, because the headliner was quite boring, and we'll talk about that briefly just in a minute, but let's start with what happened in the co-main event between Kyle Dawkins and Kevin Holland, a fight that went to a no contest, uh, and it's not nearly that simple and moving on kind of thing, right? This this was a, this was quite a thing. This was interesting. This was it, really weird. So if you didn't get to watch... Uh, first off, you really ought to go watch because it's 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 an interesting kind of a series of events that happened, right? There was a an inadvertent clash of heads, not a headbutt, that occurs between Dawkins and Holland uh, at the 211 mark remaining in the first round. When this happens, you can visibly see Kevin Holland go limp and just fall forward. Like he was doing the worm. It, yeah, that's a good description. Uh, Dawkins, uh, yeah, obviously he his his head took some there too because it was clash of heads, but uh, Holland takes the brunt of this. And again, totally inadvertent. This is not something where you, you would say anything other than that. Like it, there was no malice here. There's two guys I, leaning in and they just hit their heads. Live, I thought he hit a. I thought he landed a left and knocked him out. I was like, "Oh my goodness, Kyle Dawkins knocked yeah, him out." Yeah, live, I wasn't sure. I was, I was kind of not mm. watching as closely live as I would have liked to have been at that point. I, you know, Saturday's fight days, which is all fight days basically, are kind of sometimes tough for me. Sometimes I've got time and I can sit down and watch and relax. Sometimes lately, it's been like, "Well, I have it on, but I'm not really able to watch as closely." That's when I don't uh, live score the fights. And as you've noticed lately, I haven't put up. Uh, many live scores during these fights. I, I go back and watch it later. But the headbutt happens, 2-11 remaining in the round. There is a standing rear naked choke that Holland taps to from Dawkins just about a minute later at 117 to go in this round. But now we've got to figure out, well, what happened? Because Holland was like super out until he hits the ground. And then he wakes back up. Strange. Uh... I, my feelings are, well, I mean, you also notice Dan Mergliata almost hurdles them. 
Like he ran in there like he was ready to stop it. Yes. Then changed his mind. He what and and he even says you over here on the broadcast, uh, because they had the mics picking this up. Dan does explain Dan Morgliata, or a New Jersey based referee, just uh, you know, New Jersey based like us. We love our Jersey guys. Um he is explaining that he did go in to stop it as it looked like, but because Holland started fighting back, he let it go. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean he kinda like he was like right in between them. Like I say, you don't like like you hurdled them. Mm-hmm. But what we see, like less than ten seconds later, it's at two o two to go in the round. You can see Dan start signaling to outside the cage with a little bit of like a hand spinning motion. It's, it's to signal, hey, we want the replay queued up. So the replay officials, my understanding, based on speaking with uh, someone who was uh, present at the time, they start queuing up the replay. So there's a, here's a little bit of kind of inside thing how this is happening. They start queuing up the replay. And there's a button you press, and every time you press it, it goes back a few seconds. My understanding is they went back too many seconds, but there's no fast forward. All you can do is rewind. Mm. So they had to let it play again, and ultimately they were not able to turn on that replay light that actually gets shown during the broadcast a little later. It's kind of like this orange not a siren light because it's not blinking or wailing around, but it is just a, a light that kind of looks like an old-timey police siren that you'd stick on top. And uh, they were able to get that light on, but apparently it didn't happen until like right before or just about the time when Dawkins gets the tap. So it takes that long for Dan to get the signal that there's something to review here. So would he if he got it sooner, he would have stopped it. In theory, yes. That okay. that is that is the protocol. This is, Dan, I'm told, the very first time that we have actually had this light lit. So okay. this was our experimental very first time to actually happen. And of course it happens in the co main event of a UFC card. Now it didn't happen in the co main event of a UFC pay per view. It's not like it happened uh at the pay per view event that we just had. Uh, it happened here on a card that realistically uh, was not the most thrilling. Probably didn't have as many eyeballs on it, but it's, it's still, it's a, it's a more prominent spot, right? Yeah. Uh, so that explains a lot of questions I had, actually. Yeah, I was yeah. like, it's a really long sequence. And are we calling that whole minute a finishing sequence? I, I don't believe so. You, I think, you, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, please. Uh, because they, they clash heads and he starts ground and pound. Holland comes to and they get caught in the front front headlock position. Dawkins attacks an anaconda, wasn't there, rolls back up to his knees, back in the front headlock again, attacks a guillotine, doesn't get it. Holland scrambles, Dawkins ends up on his back, chokes him with the rear naked choke. After the, the you know, the ground and pound, I think that finishing sequence from, from the head clash is over. But here's the thing, Dan. What we have is a situation where they would not have been there if not for the fact that he right. was totally floored and basically knocked out and prone in just a terrible spot. So that whole thing, like they don't get there without the clash of heads, right? Exactly, yeah. So that that's where it gets a little bit tricky. It's not part of the actual finishing sequence, but it's the whole, that whole minute, like roughly a minute that takes place well, from the point yeah. of the head clash to the point of the tap. You know, it, that's like, that what that wouldn't happen if, and, and let's face it, Mergliata, he missed the headbutt. He just did. I missed it too. Right, but he's right there. Yeah. You're not, and you also, that's not your job. Yeah. So it's okay that you missed it. It's, you know, officials make, make errors. It's a tough job. I'm low. Well, he to... must have known something, like, may have been. 
he obviously could tell that so, there was something, but the but the funny thing was that he didn't necessarily stop it right away. He did call for the replay, which I, I guess I understand, but I mean that's a headbutt. Like that's the guy looked really out. Do we know what happens if he asked for the replay and it wasn't a headbutt? It was a clean clean strike. What would happen in that situation? Um, my assumption is: uh, Are we talking about in this fight in particular, the, or in, in this like in this exact? Well, thing? in this in this fight in particular, if they if they find that it was not. Uh, if it was not a legal, st- if they was, if it was a legal strike, you're saying? I'm saying if he noticed it right away, uh-huh. and they got the replay right away, and they, I see. Okay. They got it. They stopped the fight to to view the replay, and they, it found out it wasn't a head, but it was a clean strike. What's the ruling? Do they uh, restart or? You know, I imagine it depends because realistically, he's kind of knocked out briefly. Yeah. Um, and if he notices it right away and he stops it, Heaven Holland's not fighting back in theory. It depends if he waves it off, right? Like, Dan well, needs to have had... Mergliata has to go in there. I, I keep saying Dan because you're saying Dan, but you're Dan, so you're messing <laughs> me up. Mergliata, he comes in there, and let's say he notices right away that Holland is out, and he thinks it might be a foul. He starts waving it off, right? That's where it changes what you do. It's like, could it be a knockout or no contest? Then they would figure that out, I'm, right? I, but I'm saying, I, I understand that. Yeah. But if he doesn't wave it off, and he does the, you know the hurdle uh-huh. and then they get the replay faster to say hey dan pause stop the action we got to look at the replay something might might have happened and the light goes on a lot earlier before the submission sequences what do they do what do they do if it was a, if it turns out to be a legal strike that is that is a good question i couldn't answer that entirely myself uh okay. i didn't quite get that information uh from the official i spoke to but mm-hmm. i mean it stands to reason that knowing what we know about fighters they would have been like hey you good to continue he would have yeah. gotten a break and as long as the fight wasn't waved <laughs> off already, Kevin Holland's will be like, "Yeah, man, I'm good to go." I'm, okay. And he'll, he'll just like have a conversation with with okay. we're glad he wants to know like where he gets his tan and all that. Because okay. say Dawkins didn't finish him in this. Yeah. I mean, is we're just going right? I think right about like I said, this was right about the time of the tap out. Mm-hmm. Is just about my understanding when the light went on. Right. So if if the fight goes, let's say an extra twenty seconds, and Dan Mergliata notices that. Then he does call a pause to the action, right? They would have to confirm the foul, uh, which you know it was inadvertent, but it was yeah. it was an illegal strike, and and the uh, especially one of the points that you would think of getting to the determination that what caused that was not a legal strike mm. is the fact that the judges have to score what happened in this round. Yeah. Now I don't know what you do with that extended, you know, almost a minute or so in between, but in theory, if you're telling them that. What happened there was caused by an illegal strike, whether it was intentional or not. They would need to discount what happened there. I don't know. It seems to get a little messy at that point. Uh, it, the the key thing that I took away from this experience and the context that I was provided from the official I spoke to is the fact that this was the first time. Yeah. A lot of things just didn't quite go as planned. It, it happened to coincide with the fact that Mergliata missed the clash of heads to begin with he just mm-hmm. didn't catch it right away uh and that is that is on the official there it, again i i don't like to criticize officials too deeply for something like that especially these these you know lickety split split second things that uh, you got to be really sharp for Mergulad has been doing this a long time i've never done it so i don't like to go crazy with that but again it does fall on his responsibility and i'm sure he would probably say the same thing i think that's probably fair 
Um, and it's, it's Herb Dean operating the the replay, correct? I believe he, was he the replay I, official for I, that I, one? Actually, I saw him out there for it. I mean, I also saw everybody out there for it, so I don't, I don't know. You know, actually, I can confirm that if you'll just give me a moment, Dan, I can tell you who was the actual replay official for that one, and it was indeed Herb Dean. Oh yes. yeah, I remember seeing him. I saw Sal over there. Yeah, um, yeah, there were a few people huddled in there, like when they're actually looking at the replay. And and the funny yeah. thing is, before that. You see in that initial huddle where uh, Herb Dean is kind of speaking with with Mergliata, and they, it seems like they're not aware of the fact that the broadcast is picking up the audio. Oh. They're totally picking up the audio. So I know, think the broadcast has mics all over. They it, well, they, they do. So. Uh, Dan has a mic on him, so that picked up what okay. Herb was trying to say in kind of hushed tones. That if you don't feel right. Uh, it can be a no contest. So yeah. the, the fact that if he didn't love kind of the way this developed and everything like that, you, you can, in fact, overturn what happened uh, because the illegal strike directly led to the finish, which is true. The illegal strike was what created yeah, the finishing opportunity. So that is kind of where it was. And that's why you saw uh, Mergliata, who initially sounded like it was kind of like, well, we're just going to, you know, it is what it is. And then they started huddling up and they talk about it and they figure out, okay, there's other things you can do. And it's funny because this almost tied in a little bit to, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit more in a moment, but uh, this kind of tied into some conversations that were being had at the uh, uh, the CSAC, uh, California State Athletic Commission training Zoom call that happened uh, just the other day, Wednesday, that you and I sat in on. There was a little bit of this type of talk of things you can do, tools and yeah, options yeah, that yeah. you have at your disposal. The, yeah. the round in particular they were talking about, and again, we can talk about this later, was uh, Peter Yan uh, and Aljamain Sterling, the, right. the knee that, yeah, it, it was just kind of, it kind of tied just, uh, I guess, tangentially, adjacently to that conversation. I thought that was interesting. But um, another thing about this whole sequence of events in particular uh, is just the fact that, one, it is entirely up to the official in the cage, Dan Mergliata, to decide what happens here. Even though Herb Dean's the referee, even though or the um, the replay official, even though there are several other officials who kind of huddled up, and there was at one point too, Dan, where you saw a couple of referees huddled up with with Herb Dean with Dan Mergliata, and then there was also Mark Ratner from UFC Regulatory mm-hmm. Affairs, who I guess at being the part of the Regulatory Affairs, he is welcome to a conversation like that. Mm-hmm. But then Sean Shelby was also there. Now, Sean Shelby should not have been there, is my understanding, from, from the official's uh, perspective. This is the, He shouldn't have been there at all. He's, he doesn't represent any of the interests and really shouldn't have been part of that conversation. But the problem is, because he's Sean Shelby and the place that he has there, and Dana White's not there, so he's essentially the guy he's in the guy. charge yeah. and probably a proxy for Dana White, if we're being you know kind of honest here. Uh, no one's going to tell him no. The officials, especially, it would probably be incumbent on like Bob Bennett, the uh, the commissioner, to kind of be like, Sean, you got to stay out of this one. Yeah. So, uh, but Mark Ratner was in fact a welcome presence for that, because especially because of how knowledgeable he is. I mean, working for Nevada for so many years, the guy is he's the Godfather. You know, that's what they kind of refer to him as. He just got inducted too. He just got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yes, he, he got his flowers. He and... got he got he got much praise on that meet on that call. I mean, so everybody that's that I know of that's ever had any interaction with Mark Ratner, they only say the best things about him. I have not had the uh, the chance to interact with him just yet. I would love to uh, one time because especially he can he can help me with some things that I'm hoping to do with, related to uh, my data collection uh, project, which is still ongoing. Anyone who can help me, 
put out my public service announcement. Anyone can help me collect old round scores uh, from some UFC fights. Let me know uh, if you think you might be helpful. I'll let you know what I can do. Uh, but to get back on topic here with this particular fight, um, I think we mostly covered the bases on here that I I really wanted to make sure we got to, Dan. Is there anything you were kind of still thinking about this? No, I, th- I think I think ultimately they make the right call because he w- it was a headbutt. So and the uh, o- the other thing I, I guess I, I should I, yeah. What do you uh, want to say? Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, what I was going to say is the other part of going back to kind of what you were saying about when the light comes on, right? When we were talking about with the light coming on, mm-hmm. apparently Dan Mergliata kind of just didn't see the light go on right before the stoppage because again the, the timing of it was very close. So it, you know. Even if he's in like rear naked choke position, if he sees that light, I would assume he can say, "Stop! Yeah. We have to talk about this." See, I would. I I'm would... not sure. Maybe he wouldn't. I, I, that's at yeah. officials' discretion, I'm sure. And maybe, maybe someone like Dan would be loath to do that, or maybe most of them would be loath to do that. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think maybe some discretion should be removed. You think so? Yeah. I was saying like, okay, in certain situations, this is the only course of action. Yeah, no, Instead I I wish it was. I wish there so, were a lot more um, on the books type of things because <laughs> there was a lot of conversation in social media regarding this. You had a lot of people sitting on one camp saying, you know, no contest. What the heck are we doing? MMA still making up the rules as we go. Uh, and I'm told this is essentially this was all done mostly part of the rules, right, in, in Nevada. Uh, but just the simple fact that uh, it was the first time they were doing things. It was not handled nearly as smoothly as you would think it might be maybe you know second third fourth fifth time it happens because it's going to happen it'll happen again and this was of course all born because of the uh, mike rodriguez and uh, ed herman fight yes from months back <laughs> so everything came out of that fight where we finally got this and, and you know what it's a young sport sports gonna make a lot of mistakes along the way we're watching as it has the growing pains and there are a lot of resistances to change that are still happening but the fact that we are having change i think it's a good thing yeah even baseball still making mistakes I, I, but i don't want to get into it <laughs> no that's a whole nother show isn't it yeah um i think we've probably covered the bases that we had uh re- relating to the Dawkins uh holland situation we finished with a no contest i feel satisfied with it do you I'm feel okay satisfied with it, with yeah. it? yeah yeah i, I mean, think i think it's the right call yeah, I, I think it's good. And that was the other thing too. That the, the, the one last point was kind of they wanted to go over what was fair. You know, did did Dawkins get his position because of illegal bo- uh, any illegal blows? And yes, he did. So they ended up on the solution that seemed most fair, and I like that. Yep, it works. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. I I do want to really briefly talk about the main event, and only because uh. Not because of the fight itself. It was a boring fight, right? Terrible fight. Uh, we had we had Tiago Santos getting the decision victory over Johnny Walker. I some people thought this was like the worst fight ever. I didn't think it was the worst fight it ever, but good. it's it's just not a aesthetically. You just had a lot of guys kind of moving around. It was very tactical. Is the nice way to phrase it. I, uh, I would say uh, not necessarily timidity is in there, but <laughs> I. Gunshy for sure. Gunshy sounds I fair. I like that. I agree with a lot of Twitter saying Johnny Walker needs to drop Kavanaugh immediately. <laughs> you know, supposedly uh, Johnny Walker broke his foot in the third round, is what he's saying. Okay, I mean, so well, I, I mean, who knows how that how much that effect okay, that well, effect had on the fight because he won the fourth round. What about the first <laughs> and second round? Yeah, well, first round so. he did win, and look, you kind of get that sometimes the first round's gonna be a feeling out round. We've seen enough Anderson Silva fights. These guys aren't Anderson Silva, but 
I understand that this can happen, right? Then we had two, three, four, and five were also feeling out rounds, and that, that really wasn't that much fun. This but, is two back-to-back from Santos that are just like, oh, my God. He, he's not the fighter he once was, of course. I get it. But at least he got the win. Good for him. Uh, but the reason why we want to really talk about this fight at all, and I think we still can kind of just breeze through this, is the fact that the judges for this one, and that was Derek Cleary, Sal D'Amato, and Junichiro Camillo, they nailed the scores. I am so happy you guys did, because I did not want to go back and rewatch this one. <laughs> well, I knew you'd be relieved because you didn't want to watch yes. these rounds, and I'm, and I'm certainly happy for that, too, because none of these were very uh, interesting either, and I actually did sit down and watch this fight. Uh, so th- this one I was actually able to sit and score. It was like probably the only one of the whole night I could sit and score. But, uh, you know, we had first round went to Walker, two and three went to Santos, four went to Walker again, and five went to Santos. And that's how every judge had it. That's how I saw it. Did you see it that way when you were watching? I wasn't too? even scoring. I was, watching. Okay. I was watching, but I wasn't scoring. I get, no, I get you. I get you. But yeah, I, I thought it was just terrific that especially because rounds three and four i thought were particularly close and anytime you have light heavyweights first off light heavyweights are one of the the top divisions in the sport in terms of judges coming to you know be split on who won the round be split on the the round winner that kind of thing so the fact that we had that it definitely overcame a lot of odds here and i just I, you have to commend the judges here i think yeah this is why great job yeah that's why these guys are some of the best Derek cleary i i sometimes leave out when i when i'm talking about my my trio uh that i would prefer to have most which is uh basically it's damato and camillo but i would also put mike bell in there Derek cleary i mean if, if for some reason one of them got a cold and couldn't do it i feel fantastic with him in there as well uh, a terrific official, highly experienced official, and I think a credit that we have this many good officials that I feel very strongly about at this point. Yeah, they did awesome. But enough praise for the officials. Not that we're gonna, you know, poop on them or anything like that. But we do want to talk about that CSAC training, like we discussed before. Now you joined in a little late for it. I joined in just a tad late for it, and I also wasn't able to be as engaged as I would have liked to have the whole time because the thing starts right when I'm having family dinner and runs <laughs> all the way through uh, the meat and potatoes of getting my kids ready for bed. So did what I could, paid attention where I could, but you saw a lot more. What I want to lean on you for this one. What did you see that kind of was interesting to you from the CSAC meeting? I, aside from official, I just want to... Re- point out i forgot how badly peter young was beating Aljamain sterling oh god yes but yeah okay aside from that i uh i like stuff from adelaide bird i thought she uh she p- touched on a bunch of things that uh, maybe i don't uh realize what were they uh staying away from media <laughs> well yeah of course yeah. i well we we know that it, we know that these roll. officials are either choose not to or encourage not to speak to media you know i'm and, media but. you know just you know rely on her peers mm-hmm. for her actual feedback and I, th- I thought that was really good advice for officials, particularly uh, the official who was more or less in, in the hot seat for that discussion, which was uh, J.J. Ferraro from Texas. They were discussing uh, the round that we we all uh, talked about heavily oh, yeah, over the summer, yeah, yeah. Uh, the round that uh, was <laughs> the third round of a fight that wouldn't have mattered, but everybody started talking about because we we you know on this show, we didn't think it was a very good score. So, yeah. uh, the judges seemed to be a little more kind or deferential and and so was andy foster the commissioner in california didn't think it was all that crazy to to be going crazy out in this round because it was close ish you still had when they did the poll of all the uh, officials and all the people participating in this uh call i think it was 90 percent had the round 
for yeah. and and the fight we're talking about is Bobby Green and Rafael Vizia. Vizia won the fight, but Green won round three. How, how much detail can we cards. go into? Well, I mean, we can talk about anything from that call. So is my understanding. I found it most interesting for that they had a problem with his reasoning of going to the secondary criteria. Right. And now they asked the more seasoned officials how often they go to the, the second. Yeah, the officials they leaned on, of course, were Sal D'Amato and Derek Cleary. And they're like, they couldn't remember the last time they did. And Well, I, I believe Sal D'Amato could not remember the last time. And then I believe Derek Cleary just said, like, no, I've never done it. Didn't so, he? Is that is that true or false? Am I remembering right? I believe I believe you're correct. I so, will couch it and say 99% sure, but I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> yeah. So if the two guys that judge the most fights aren't getting there, we probably shouldn't be getting there. Yeah. Either, I so. I don't think uh, an official who works as infrequently as we touched upon on this show, JJ Ferrar does. He he referees in Texas. He it seems like when he judges, it's only on UFC cards. He, he does a little bit for mm-hmm. some of the uh, um, LFA or or that kind of thing when they come into town, but it, it's not very frequent. Fury uh, Fury FC, I believe, is where what is often okay. in the Houston area, the, okay. you know, regional card down there, uh, and he's he's done some of that. But yeah, it's he is not the most frequently working judge. Like I I know we don't always think about maybe if judges are doing things on like lower level shows but texas puts their stuff out there like you can go on the uh the texas commission's website and you can see going back a couple years every single uh official sheet and results sheet from every mixed martial arts and boxing show for several years and i've done that i've gone back and i've looked and i've seen how many uh fights uh ferraro was staffed on he's only works in houston or or humble which is a houston suburb i believe um he hasn't done a lot so I'm sure he's trained. I, I, I he, you know, I, I, I will say that he is trained and I'm not, but he certainly doesn't know how this job operates better than guys like D'Amato and Cleary. It, it, he just doesn't. And most of the people on the call. And then as you alluded to, Ms. Bird was brought into the conversation mm-hmm. and it was kind of a, it, 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 I thought it was a very nice touch, uh, maybe a not so subtle, but kind of subtle touch by Andy Foster to have her way in on how to deal with media because mm. Ferraro did, as we've said, throw Adelaide Bird under the bus during when he decided to go on social media and talk about all this stuff, which yeah. he defended as, oh, it's social media, not talking to the media, which, JJ, <laughs> if you're listening, social media is the media. It just is. We're going we're gonna to pick up on it. We know what you do. You can't, if you're public instead of private, we know what's going on. If you don't want that, go private. That's my recommendation to you as a media member. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was great. Like you said, why they brought in Adelaide Bird to discuss why she doesn't talk to media and why she defers to her peers. If uh, Ferraro had done that, he would have done a lot better. But he did call this a learning experience. It. Uh, I'm not convinced of how much he learned based on what he kind of said and how he behaves in the conversation. But he does seem to have taken some positive away from it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, anything else you liked from the from the CSEC call? Anything you found interesting? We kind of touched a little bit with the with the Sterling call. Herb Dean was interesting. What was the interesting yeah. thing for you? He he kind of agrees that you know the aggressor should be the guy that's getting a nod. Yeah, that, that bit, was a, so. that was an awkward kind of. Uh, and then he made the uh, and correct me on how exactly he phrased it, but he said something about how the end of the fight should weigh more 
because if they're fighting in an alley, you know, the the guy at the end is winning. Is that did I have yeah, that right I, or wrong? I, for, I forget the. I'm exact butchering analogy. this. Yeah. I, I know I'm butchering this, so I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to throw too much shade at Herb Dean for this. Uh, so yeah. please take it for what it is. This is this is very fuzzy <laughs> and hazy memory here. But yeah, do you remember? I don't remember exactly what the analogy, but I, and you're you're somewhere along the, the guy who goes home with with the wallet or something. Yeah, that's right. The something wallet. Like Thank you. Some similar to that. That was a very strange thing to hear from not only an official, but someone who trains officials and, and, and basically the preeminent official in mixed martial arts right now. He gets the the vast majority of the Nevada main events. Yeah. So that was stunning. But he's also not scoring them. He's no, he's not. Him, so. He's not. But he's also he's he is uh, credited to be able to train judges. Yeah. See, this, the, he, he, one of the problems I have with right now, the way, you know, we have the some, certain officials are, are credited by ABC to be able to do this. John McCarthy, Herb Dean is one. Blake Grice is one. Uh, Rob Hines, we've had on the show. Kevin McDonald, who we've had on the show, is one. Mark Goddard, who we've had on the show, is one. We've got we've had half of them. We got to collect them all, right? Yeah. She get Herb. Yeah, <laughs> she get Herb. Uh, but none of these guys, and and this is no disrespect to any of them for any reason whatsoever. But none of them are typically judges. They are typically referees who, on occasion, will judge. I would like to see a couple of these officials that we talk about all the time, these judges, be able to be accredited to do that. And I know sometimes they lend a hand. Uh, like with the command course, I believe I, I believe yeah, Sal D'Amato lends Sal a hand. Does, yeah. But I think it would be wonderful if we had more judges actually be able to get accredited to do this too and train the judges themselves because they're the ones who do the job. They're the ones who've been perfecting the job. You know, every week this is what they do. They study this. I don't know that Herb Dean's doing the same degree of working on how sharp and and syncing up judging wise. I'm sure he's doing whatever he can to be a better referee. I, I have no doubt about that. But judging, it's a different call. Yeah. I uh, there's also one other thing uh, with Herb Dean. Yeah. What? Uh, I think Sal said when they were discussing, you know, how do you grade effective striking versus effective grappling? Uh, Sal said Herb taught me many years ago. I'd rather be knocked out. I mean, I'd rather almost be submitted ten times than almost knocked out once. Yes, yeah, that so. stood out to me too. That I thought that was, and coming from Herb Dean again, this is actually where I would give him praise. I, yeah. I thought that was really that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that probably influences the way I might be looking at fights going forward. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's. So so thank you, Herb Dean. I know for sure. I know we were kind of <laughs> we weren't being maybe uh super praise praising to uh Herb Dean and and judging advice, but that one I, I thought that was really good. So kudos. Definitely. Anything else? Do you want to move on to we just we only have a couple rounds, four or five rounds from the weekend because we had a Bellator too. Yeah. Anything else from CSAC? Are you nah, good? Nah, I think I'm good. Let's move on to contested rounds. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We let's got hit the contested and rounds. And let's start with Friday's fights from Bellator. We'll we'll come back to UFC. Uh, the main event is really the only thing we actually wanted to talk about. There weren't too many rounds even at Bellator on the whole anyway. But uh, main event is typically what we're going to look at when we're talking about Bellator. We, Dan doesn't like Bellator. Watching Bellator all it's not that, that much. I don't time. like it. It's just yeah, so, it is. It's it's. There's so little intriguing matchups. I no, mean, this I get one it. was one versus two. Good. I mean, there was something. There these uh, look. If you uh, if you want to talk about UFC caliber guys, both of these guys would. Yeah. They would swim in the welterweight division of the UFC, or at least to some degree. Uh, and we had. Uh, I think you have this transposed on our uh, outline here, but Michael Page, 
got the split decision victory over Douglas Lima. It was all 29-28s, two for page one for Lima. Oh, page one? Yeah, page one. This oh, point. didn't know that. <laughs> Did you only watch the first round? I watched the first round and half of the second. I can understand. This was not the most engaging fight And then I put either, the so. fi- football game back No, on. that's fair. I, I, I won't even criticize you there. But... Uh... <laughs> Well, I watched the first round, funny. and I was like, are people really up in arms about this? That's how, that, I mean, it's like, come on. And you know what? That's a fair That's a fair way to, to think about this, too, because, yeah, it was 29-28 uh, all the way around. You did have some people kind of after this being like, well, how the heck could you actually give this one to Paige? Uh, you know, Lima won this fight. No one was that vehement the other way, but I think you did have enough people out there looking at this being like, what are you, what are you going crazy for? This isn't the hill to die on. This was not this was a close fight and not a very engaging one so neither one put their stamp on it and in particular this first round which was the swing round here uh page won the second lima won the third so it was up to the first round uh the judges that we have here and this was in london uh or or, i believe it was in london it was in england i i might have mixed up where exactly in england but uh we had the return to major mma action uh bellator ufc wise Ben Cartledge, former guest on our show as well. Nice to see his name on the ledger. The other two judges were Eric Cologne, Doug Crosby, U.S.-based judges up in the Northeast here. And it was our our American judges both saw this round for Page. Cartledge saw it for Lima, so he kind of became the, you know, especially for some people who know of Ben Cartledge, he had a little bit of a social media presence. It seems he's, he's stepped back from that uh, in recent times. But, Dan, why don't we talk about this round? What I mean, not much happened. What happened? Little output round. Early. MVP drops him. Uh, flash knockdown. I had a terrible camera angle, so I couldn't really tell how great it landed. Yeah. If it was a slip, maybe. I, don't, I mean, it looked like a knockdown. Uh, and then they stare at each other a little bit longer. MVP's dancing around, kind of. Drops him again. This was a more solid hit. That The second one yeah. was, was definitely... I, I felt like the other one was more like a... Almost like a punch that like lands, and it's if it, let's say he didn't fall down, it was like a... Yeah, you got me. We're moving on. Yeah. The second one was just a little bit harder. Second, Yeah, second one was a, a bit of a stronger strike. Yeah. Uh, and then back on the feet, really nothing happened again. MVP lands. A lot of dancing around back and forth, yeah. <laughs> glancing wheel kick uh, that was half blocked. Didn't quite get there, yeah. Uh, and then about halfway through, Lima gets a takedown and lands some ground and pound from there. Like, but he mostly spends his, the round with his wrist tied up he, by MVP. Good, good, good job. Good wrist control from MVP. Good job by Paige, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he did get free a couple times and land a couple decent shots. Uh, I think the knockdowns outweigh Lima's offense. But again, I don't know how strong those strikes on the ground actually were. There were like three of them that really right, exactly. stood out to me. And I don't know how many of them even really landed flush. Like maybe one or two did. Yeah. But I think some of them looked deflected a little bit. So I don't know how much you really... From the guard too, right? I mean, it's not like he and he's not postured up necessarily. From the guard, I still thought they were pretty. They were they were harder than like just sitting down, but I I didn't think that they were. If those landed on the feet, how do they weigh against? Yeah, I don't know. It uh, it gets tough. What MVP landed? Sure. So I mean, I the effect from MVP strikes were two knockdowns. So that's where I'm going. I. Yeah, I, I almost kind of don't credit the first one as a not. I mean, it kind of is, it kind of wasn't, but whatever. Uh, the the second one, I think, was the reason why I felt more comfortable giving this round to Page. Uh, but I do see the reason why Cartledge would have gone for Lima. First off, he's there; he yeah. has more uh, tools at his disposal. Uh, but number two, I mean, so do so do Cologne and Crosby. To be fair, uh, but number two, it's just this round is so close. There's nothing like there's so many times of this round where it's just nothing happening, and we don't have any situations where you look at. I don't know how many times you would have had Joe Rogan be like, he's hurt. (laughs) 
I don't think it would have happened. And you know how Joe loves to say Joe he's hurt, it. even when they're not hurt. I probably. So I don't know if it would have happened. I think he would have got two. No, he would, I don't think he would have said it. No, no, I don't think he would have said it. I don't think he would have said it. He would have been talking about something else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been no. Oh. Say, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, that's almost like a barometer. It was like, was it hard enough that Joe would say that yeah. for? Because he, he'll go to it quickly, and I don't think any of them happened. But I do feel like you can give this one to Paige, but I, I don't. I don't care. No one, no one put their stamp on this fight. And the fact that Paige won it, fine. If Lima had won it, fine. Yeah. I mean, That's how Lima, I look at it. Lima does this. He gets in these kind of fights. Lima has not been... He used to be a much more interesting fighter. In, in recent times, his fights just have not been as engaging. He's getting older. He's been in there a long time. Uh, he's got a lot of miles on him. So, you know, this was part of the reason why I picked Paige. I thought it would be a little more emphatic for Paige, actually. So I'll credit Lima for not getting in that situation. Um but yeah, I'm I'm I would say I'm fading uh Douglas Lima career wise. Okay. Is that fair? That's fair. Borrow betting term. Sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like those. Uh that's that was it for Bellator. That was again, that was not a very interesting fight. Uh <laughs> two main events in a row for the weekend. Neither one particularly interesting, right? No. Yeah. But we'll no. we'll switch over to, to UFC. We don't have to talk about that that lackluster main event. Uh we had another one that was a little more tactical. Uh, here, but this was a split decision as well. At middleweight, Christoph Jocko got the win over Misha Sirkinov, who was coming down to middleweight for the first time from 205. 29-28s all around, but there were two rounds that were split, which created you know one of those alternative decisions that I like to, to label. Which yeah. Is the situation here being Sirkinov won on two of three judges' scorecards in rounds one and three, but he lost round two unanimously, and basically ended up losing the fight because of that so uh it was it was kind of a situation where you if you say oh yeah technically Sirkinov won two out of three rounds but that's not really how it's just the quirk in the 10 nines or the 10 point must system mm-hmm. that's really all it is but let's start with round one which again was one on two of three by Sirkinov judges uh gave it to him were Dave Hagan and Chris Lee Sal D'Amato saw this one for Jocko how do you see it I scored it for Jocko why uh, I thought it was a very close round and I think Jocko Edges, I can pinpoint exactly where I gave it to him. I thought both landed good kicks, pretty even there. I think the advantage goes to Jocko in the effect of head strikes. There's mid-round, he lands a solid combo, and I think that was the difference. I mean, there's a lot of clinching and kneeing from each guy against the cage. I, I just see it for Jocko because of that, that combo. I, You know what? The combo was, I think, probably the high spot of the round, but I didn't think it was too high a spot, and I don't. I, I honestly didn't weigh a whole lot of what Jocko's offense was throughout that round. It, it was close. It was very close. But I went the other way. I saw for Sirkinov, um, I thought essentially the volume won out. I didn't weigh anything too heavily that the volume, and again, still talking low volume, but I thought he had just a little bit more uh, effective strikes landing and that it kind of edged it. That's fair. It's a minute close round. Yeah, so. it, this isn't what I'm, I'm kind of hung up on. Uh, let's fast forward to round three. Again, two out of three seeing it for Sirkinov. But this time, Sal D'Amato uh, saw this one with Hagen, uh, 10-9 for Sirkinov. Chris Lee, the outjudge, saw it for Jocko. What about you? I saw this one for Sirkinov. Okay, okay. Why? Uh, he started good. He got a takedown, gets the back clinch, and he's landing these knees to the leg. I thought these were pretty hard. Uh, really forced Jocko on the defensive for what felt like two minutes. It, it, it was a while. Mm-hmm. On the feet, I thought it was pretty even. Jocko has the best success after the eye poke. Yes. And after Definitely that, fired him up. Yeah. He was screaming. <laughs> he was not happy. He was, oh, it was, that wasn't, there was nothing there. I just don't think it was all that much success. So, mm-hmm. I'm I, off. Yeah, I went the other way. 
Uh, I saw this one for Jocko, uh, same as Chris Lee. And actually, I had the same full uh, scorecard as Chris Lee. You had the same one as Sal D'Amato. We'll let people decide at home who's more trustworthy. I think everybody knows that there's people who like to um, (laughs) be unkind to Chris Lee as opposed to, well, there's also people out there who are not kind to Sal D'Amato, but they also don't know what they're talking about because he's a fantastic judge. Chris Lee is a solid judge as well, but... I tend to think that the motto is is the judge that is the sharpest. However, I didn't see it the same way as him this time, but very close. I For me, I just didn't think a lot of the groundwork that Serkinov was doing was all that effective, uh, much down there at all. It was a lot of like riding position. He was, yeah, he was holding position a lot, but there were some, some moments where I thought was pretty good. Sure, I can, and I can understand that. I'm, I'm Again, this is another round I'm not going to die on the hill for. Um, but I did think Jocko was able to make up what he needed to on the feet, just barely. Yeah, it is what it is. I feel like Jocko won the fight overall, even though he lost on two rounds. Did you have him? Well, I didn't have him that. Oh, no, no, I ended up with. I I gave uh, Jocko rounds two and three. Oh yeah, it's hard when I when I only write down the rounds we're talking. Nah, (laughs) (laughs) got to improve your note taking, sir. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's all right. Um, but yeah, ultimately this was another fight where I I feel like I couldn't be too up in arms no matter who won it. Yeah. We have a lot of fighters that are just not taking the fight, you know? And when you're not going out there and taking it, you're leaving it in the judges' hands in in a way that is not favorable to you because at the least, go out there and play it on the line. And if you land something big, it's going to make it a lot easier to give you the round. Yeah. That's how I look at it. So you're on board with Dana White with that. <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes we're in line. Other times we're not. <laughs> Moving on, we, we had another split decision here, and that was Jared Gordon in the feature prelim getting the victory over Joe Selecki. Uh, as they said on the broadcast, New York versus New Jersey, Gordon being the uh, Queens yes. kid, Selecki being from Jersey, although neither one of them trains uh, up here anymore. They both, I believe they're both training in the South. Selecki's in like South Carolina or North okay. Carolina, and, and, and Gordon's over down in Florida. Um, but he got the win. Again, 29-28 all around. Round three was our only split round because we had Selecki won the first, Gordon won the second uh, unanimously. What happened in round three? I thought round three was cl- a close stand-up battle. Yeah, it was uh, a lot, you know, it was almost entirely stand-up, yeah. The thing is, I don't, I don't only think it was close for like three minutes. Okay. Selecki took a while to get going it, it in this round, while, yeah. So and, and Gordon didn't really. So I think Gordon landed a little bit harder, a little bit more effective, and, and for the fact that Selecki didn't have his offense for the early part of the round, I gave it to Gordon. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily weigh it because he didn't have it well, early. Well, I'm saying he didn't have enough to. to, to he couldn't there. make up the, right, the deficit. Yeah. I understand. Okay, yeah, and that and that makes total sense to me too. I I saw it the same way. I had it for Gordon. Um, close fight. I I think Gordon probably could have been able to assert himself a little bit more in that round than than mm-hmm. than he did because he did seem to have that advantage in the in the stand up. Maybe he just didn't want to get taken down and lose the momentum. And I get that. You know, he he got the win. Credit to him there. Um, it's hard to be too critical there. Uh, but yeah, you and I both saw it the same way as Sal D'Amato and Dave Hagan. Uh, Derek Cleary was the out just saw it for Selecki here. I don't think it's crazy to see it for Selecki because there were some high spots that Selecki yeah. had. And, and again, you know, this, this can okay come down to, this can come down to where you're seated, what you see, right. what you don't see sometimes as well. What, what is kind of blocked from your view. Mm-hmm. You never know. Uh, I don't want to speak for Derek Cleary, but it was close enough that because of all these variables, you can understand why it would go the other way. Definitely. And then our last fight, last one we got to talk about here, Carl Hosa retiring Becha Cohea 
uh, who I believe uh, it was it, she. She's a legend, right? Is that what Dana Cormier said? She's a legend. Did she, I didn't have any. Commentary. Oh yeah, no. She no. she he's oh. like he's like you're a legend. Thank you. That thirty second loss to Ronda. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Not a legend. She's <laughs> five six and one in the UFC. Uh. I don't believe she was all that successful in her career overall. I would say she probably overachieved, and in that sense, that's that's cool. Uh, but we don't need to make this a sequence where I just bash uh, Bej Kohea because we'll, be, we'll basically never talk about her again. Uh, round two is the only round of this fight that we're going to be talking about because it was 30-27 times two and a 30-26. So we have the 10-8 debate in the second frame. Dan, what did you see here? Did we, did we get there? Uh, I love the fact that someone got there. Okay. I, however, didn't see it. Okay, yeah, I kind of know what you mean. Keep going, though. Uh, I mean, Hosa whooped her. There's no doubt about it. This Absolutely. Was, this, was a, this was a whipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think she really checked off anything solid enough, though. She, very close on damage. She took that minute off, or a minute and a half, just to hang on her against the cage. Mm-hmm. Probably could have got a finish, maybe. Yeah, if she pressed a little harder, mm-hmm. it might be easier to, to get that round, right? You want a little yeah. bit more to get duration. Strong knees to the body, uh, strong punches to the head. That final, like, I guess, how, how long? Maybe 20 seconds, where she finally lets everything go. If she just did that earlier, she'd probably get to finish. Maybe. But you know what? This actually reminded me of something, Dan. This was something that I wish we had brought up for the CSAC portion. But we can talk about it here. Uh, was uh, something Andy Foster brought up. I don't know if you were part of the conversation at that point. Maybe you joined in later. But he did bring up the fact that they are going to be uh, at the regulatory level discussing and figuring out how they can reword the criteria for 10 eights. They want to make sure that damage has to be one of the Ds to get a 10 eight. You wouldn't just be able to do dominance and duration to get a 10-8. Right. It doesn't work anymore. I suspect. This is something we've talked about, too, and actually I've, I've known about for a while. I suspect that the struggle comes from defining grappling damage. Yeah, I would think so, too. I wonder how they're actually going to. Because you don't want to de-incentivize submissions. Because right, are, are we going to say that Bryce Mitchell didn't get 10-8 rounds versus Charles Rose Rosa? Maybe we will. I don't know. That's a question. So I don't know. That that would be an interesting question for someone involved. Because I mean, those are textbook ten eights. Sure. I mean, you would think so, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because, but again, that you don't want to see the the disincentivization of grappling, right? In the game. I mean, every time I talk about some of my weird ideas, like going to three minute rounds and all sorts of things, and having more rounds, one of the first things people tell me is, oh, it doesn't help the grapplers. It hurts the grapplers hard. Nothing would hurt the grapplers more than what we're just talking about right now. Right. Nothing. You couldn't do anything more other than tell them they can't go to the ground anymore. Yeah, we're just going to kickbox <laughs> in a cage. Or they got to put on like boxing gloves or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, good luck with your rear naked choke. You're wearing boxing gloves. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, to go back to this round, we don't have to dwell too deeply on that i also saw this as a 10-9 a very strong 10-9 mm-hmm. one that in our you know csj yeah. system i think would be a 10-8 a very easy 10-8 so it's kind of that mm-hmm. 10-8 and a half that you'll hear right. even some officials will kind of refer to mm-hmm. going back to that po- half point system that was tried out in california a while back um yeah no problem with chris lee being the judge who gave the 10-8 for hosa here i don't think it got there but if yeah, i mean if judges want to go there i'm okay with yeah, it I'm, i actually I'm, would be okay with them pushing the envelope more all for it yeah, but Sal D'Amato and Adelaide Bird, they only went for the nine here. And I think that's probably the way things are typically judged. That's what they want to do. If they want to stay in line, this is a 10-9. Definitely. Didn't mean to rhyme there, but it worked. And, and I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, he's a he's a rhymer. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> 
Yo. So the <laughs> <laughs> favorite finishes. Let's let's get to this part of the the show here. We had six overall, six official ones. We don't want to count uh, the darkest one among that number because it was a no contest. Five uh, TKO or KOs, one submission. Two of the fights ended in round one. Dan, what was your favorite finish? Oh, uh, Kyle Dawkins. Oh, Kevin so Holland. we're just we're gonna go for the unofficial <laughs> one anyway. Yeah, okay. we're gonna we're gonna go with the unofficial That's one. Fine. That's Mainly fine. Mainly because the sequence was was relentless. I mean, regardless how we got there, of once course. he did get there, it was Anaconda, Guillotine, Rear Naked Choke. It, 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 it was, was a, beautiful. Yeah. So I can understand why you you'd at least appreciate that because it's not like it didn't happen. It just isn't officially a, a, a sequence that we can log as happening having been the end of a fight. And, I mean, a, as much fight. as he doesn't show it, Kevin Holland is a uh, jiu-jitsu guy, uh, black belt. So Yes, he is. He, he's trained it a long time. He knows jiu-jitsu. And he was able, to, I think, he, honestly, credit to him, I meant to say this before, credit to him for staying alive while he was basically out. He was just fighting instinctually. Yeah. A lot of guys would not have lasted as long as he He had did. his wits about him, too, really quick. I mean, that's yeah very surprising. Like He was able to do a post-fight interview, which is kind of crazy. Right, which they probably shouldn't have done. Yeah, but it is what it is. You also can't stop yeah. Kevin Holland from talking. There's, there's it's that. True. He's just I've spoken to Kevin Holland. You can't stop him from talking. It's <laughs> gonna keep going. <laughs> but what was your finish? Oh, Douglas Silva D'Andrade just absolutely floored Gaetano Perillo, who was coming forward with like a kick, and it was kind of one of those. As as you put it, I'll actually uh, I'll credit you for here. You referenced Damian Maya. The first time he yeah. was knocked out by Nate Marquardt going all the way back to uh, 2009, <laughs> yeah. I want to say, 0809. Yeah. And yeah, he just, that was like the first time you saw Damian Maya go out there and be like, I'm going to be a striker because he was, he was a jiu-jitsu <laughs> guy. Obviously, he still is, and he's vaunted for that. And we, we appreciate him for that. But yeah, he goes out there, throws a kick, and he's down in 15 seconds. Game over. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. it was a lot like that. Kind of bounced off the mat. Kudos. To, I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because I wasn't thinking of that. But but uh, the, the left that... Uh, Silva Dundraj lands here. It was that was a hard one. That was a that good was, one. Was it was over out. quick and it was stopped quick, not too quick, uh, appropriately quick. Uh, so good win from Silva Dundraj. Yeah, that was fun. And we uh we're we're now done with this uh this past weekend. We're done with the the previous week with the CSAC stuff. Looking ahead to the weekend coming up, we don't have any Bellator. We don't have any PFL. Uh, we don't typically talk about any other promotions on this show very frequently. So we'll focus on Saturday's fights uh, in Vegas again for UFC. The headliner here for what on paper is not the most attractive card for anyone but the hardcores. And honestly, I'm a hardcore. So I mean, I the, love the main it's event. It's fine for me. I love the main I event. Know I, just don't, I know you do. I know you do. I don't think it should be headlining a card, though. I'm okay with it. I mean, they're top-level women here. We have Mackenzie Dern fighting Marino Rodriguez at 125 pounds. The winner of this fight, like, realistically, could be the next challenger for Valentina Shevchenko. I have no problem with that being be okay a headliner because you want to develop names yeah, and people. Yeah, and should. Mackenzie Dern is the type of fighter that they really do want to break through as a they, bit of a star. So they the want UFC. her to be a star back. Yeah, yeah. So so I have no problem with this. I, th- I actually think it's a pretty good job to put a fight. We've had much more lackluster fights uh, atop cards as well. I would even argue that the one that we just talked about was not as interesting as this fight. I'd agree. I think that's fair. Um you got a prediction for this one? I'm going to go Mackenzie Dern, knee bar. Okay. I am going to go Marina Rodriguez decision. So you think the UFC is using Marina as their uh, 
they want to use her as a stepping stone, but she's turning out to be the hype derailer. I don't know. I mean, kind of yes, kind of no. I do think that they realize that she's a legitimate like challenger potentially to Valentina Shevchenko, and they mm-hmm. would love to have anybody who could step in there and not just look like meat that Valentina Shevchenko is just going to grind down. Someone she I don't know that hasn't either, fought before. I don't know if either of these women have actually um, are going to qualify for that. But I will say the winner of it is at least a very credible challenger. I th- I think Mackenzie Dern has the one is like probably the only one that can say, "Well, you'd never fought anyone like me." Actually, hold on a second because... here. Because Dan, look this up for real quick here. All right. What weight is this? I wrote down one twenty-five. I but think for it's one fifteen. Yeah, I think I might be talking about the wrong division. Everything we're talking you, about is just yeah, a lie. You are. It's this is one fifteen. We are very silly here. So okay, everything we just said about Valentina Shevchenko, throw it out the window. Throw it out the window. But she, this does make a potential. <laughs> I'm sure Mackenzie Dern has fought at 125. You know, well, I, I sometimes think. we cut so, stuff like this. We got to leave this anyway. Yeah, we can leave it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Mackenzie Dern did go up to 125, but she did come back down. And actually, I think she's, okay. it seems that in, she has recently gotten her ability to cut down to the weight much more in check than she used to. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that, that one's on me. Sorry. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, hearing that. But I do think. The winner of this one is also a very credible challenger at 115 because we do need somebody who hasn't just been part of this trio of women fighting at the top of 115 pounds, and that being uh, Rose Namajunas, who's the current champ, Zhang Li, who is the challenger that we'll have coming up in New York, uh, and then, of course, Joanna Yunjacek. Yeah. It's just it's basically just these three women, and, and to be fair, we've also got uh, Jessica Andrade, who's been now up at 125 pounds, so that's why I kind of leave her out. I would like to see someone new and fresh, and I think the winner of this one is totally credible. But I will say Marina Rodriguez's decision. I mean, I can think. I think Marina could claim she's undefeated. I don't think she lost to Esparza. Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember honestly where I landed on that one. I'm sure that's on the record somewhere, but uh, I it, uh, top of my head, it doesn't come back to me. Anything uh, else of interest on this one though for you? Yeah, I like. I mean, there's some some names in there. Uh, Tim Elliott is usually fun, high paced fight. He's a wild man. I am, and uh, and if he's fighting anybody who uh, apparently is accused of DV, uh, like a John Jones type of situation, mm-hmm. he is most willing to uh, <laughs> make you pay for it in the cage and let you know about it. So, Tim Elliott, more power to you, sir. There is there is one fighter on here that I am very excited to see, only because I want to see how she bounces back. Who's that? Because she come, he's coming off one of the most embarrassing losses uh, ever. Okay. To Shana Dobson. Uh, that's that's good. <laughs> Maria Agapova. She came yeah. in, she bought her own hype, like she bought into it w- way hard, and then just got pretty much embarrassed, and I want to see how she bounces she back. She was winning that fight, like and then that. she got tired, and then she lost in round two, and, and Shana Dobson is never tired. <laughs> she it, actually it, stepped away from the cage now. Oh, she retired? Yeah, she did. Okay, good for her. Although, hey, you know, I'm misremembering everything now with uh, 125 pounds and under, so maybe, I, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I could, I believe that was the case. Um... You know, there's a few fighters on this one I'm actually interested in, though. I I, I like. Uh, who was she fighting, by the way? Who did you say she was fighting? Agapova. She was fighting Sabina Meza. Sabina Meza. Okay. Yeah. Um. For me, there's a few guys that I'm interested to see. Some of the men. Uh. Middleweight. I'm looking forward to Phil Haas, and I will always look forward to Phil Haas because he is a former Bergen County, New Jersey wrestling standout. I live in Bergen County, New Jersey, so go Bergen County, New Jersey. Send Scott fan mail. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a fanboy. <laughs> uh, just, just rep for Jersey. Why not? For we always sure. rep oh, for absolutely. Jersey on this show. Of course, this is what we do. 
Yeah. Gabagool, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> is this Deron Wynn first time down at 85? No, he's been no, at 85 he's been there for, for a bit. Well. Yeah, he's he's also like four foot tall. That's uh, yeah. It's but, probably, but no, I remember, he's, he's a DC's, DC's boy, right? There was, uh, well, I remember right before the pandemic kind of took hold in, in his country, he was on the pay-per-view and he fought Gerald Mearshart, mm-hmm. 185. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that, that fight interests me. Uh, I'm always up for Chris Gutierrez, the the calf kicks galore that we're gonna get at bantamweight. Yeah, He's early fighting Felipe Calares, early apex or era calf kick uh, KO. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you always hope for it again, but yeah, he's he's a, he's a kicker through and through, uh, which is always interesting. Uh, and then at heavyweight, and I don't shout out too many heavyweights, but I'm gonna shout out Alexander Romanov. Mm-hmm. Because he loves the forearm chokes, he loves the neck cranks. He gets a lot of finishes for them. Gotta love those hack subs. Anyone who can do the hack subs, oh my god! I know it's heavyweight, and like if you're gonna be a hack sub or you're gonna be a heavyweight doing it, but kudos to him because there's always the chance we might get it and be like, what the heck? How did this work? Uh, the current uh, challenger standing his way of doing that is uh, J- Jared uh, Vandera. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but uh, yeah, that's those are some fights that kind of jumped out at me. It, it's a card for the hardcores. I don't think it's a, a bad card necessarily, yeah. but it this is, look, if you're trying to sell your friend on getting to be a, a much more interested fight fan, I mean, you're probably not going to get them to turn it on is really all it is. I'm not saying they wouldn't enjoy it, but you probably won't get them to put it on. Uh, yeah, not it on live ESPN anyway. Plus. No, 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 yeah, maybe you show on the replays. We'll see how it goes. Um. But this, we may not have a Monday show. That is true. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Dan. There is a, there is a chance, and it hasn't been ruled out yet. I would say we're questionable status to circle back to football yes. uh, analogies here. Questionable because Dan is going to be in Las Vegas this coming week. Yeah, so if anyone wants to get me into the Apex, I... Uh... <laughs> I am down for that. Dan Dan would love to love to meet up with anybody who wants to see him in, in Las Vegas. You can find him on Twitter at the Dan Urban. Yes, I am the. I had to put a the in front of it because the the regular Dan Urban uh, is what dormant count, right? It is. It hasn't been used in like eight years, mm-hmm. and they'll yeah, never get it. And it's like that's why I'm Scott underscore Fontana because the regular Scott Fontana took it and then he's squatting it. And he ain't doing anything with it. Yeah, so I don't mind the underscore. That's not so bad. All right. But yeah, so if anyone you know is out there that's listening and wants to meet me, Dan, Dan, Dan's so. good to drink with you. He's good to gamble with you. He's he's good for anything. Yeah, I'm down for it. And that is our show. Again, we don't know if we'll be back next week, but we'll definitely be back the week after. We may, you know what? We might even be able to do like a delayed show rather yeah, than a Monday probably. show. We'll figure yeah. it out. We'll, definitely have something because we'll, we don't want to not cover these fights right we'll, we'll, we'll get something out there that's it though everyone enjoy your week or the next two weeks and uh yeah stay uh stay safe and smart i don't know thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs>